HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Ball Factory, a Japanese eatery and coffee shop at 95 Montrose Avenue in East Williamsburg. Learn more at brooklynballfactory.com. Time for Lunch is a new podcast from HRN for curious young eaters, where we focus on the serious questions. Aren't chickens tiny dinosaurs? We get to know our favorite foods in unexpected ways. We just like cheered like you would cheer for your classmate when they're round in second base in softball. And we just like, peach, 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 peach. Yay, thank you, peaches. Learn some new recipes and jokes. What does a boxer's mom put in his lunch? A knuckle sandwich. And load up on fun facts. Experts estimate that there are between 1 and 2,000 types of insects eaten around the world. So roll up your sleeves and dig in. Subscribe to Time for Lunch on your favorite podcast app so that you and your favorite young eater can catch up on the whole first season. New episodes of season two out each week. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm Mihose Hikatema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. I hope everybody is safe and well. We normally broadcast live from our studio at Werders in Bushwick, Brooklyn, but our studio is currently closed due to the coronavirus outbreak. So we are recording this episode remotely uh, from my apartment in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what ex- exactly are they? Japanese food is too mystery for many people, so I try to demystify this program with my cool guests. My uh, guest today is Elizabeth Ando, who already joined us eight times on episode 181361, and she runs a culinary art program called A Taste of Culture, which offers a great opportunity for non-Japanese people to explore Japanese culture through its food. And Elizabeth is also the author of six cookbooks, including the award-winning Washoku, 
recipes from the Japanese kitchen and Kibo recipes and stories from Japan's Tohoku and Kansha celebrating Japan's vegan and vegetarian traditions. And today's topic is Donburi. Donburi is one of the most popular comfort foods in Japan, and it is as popular as ramen in Japan, but it's not well known outside of the country. So today we'll discuss what Donburi is, why it's so popular in Japan, what flavored variations it has, and how to make Donburi at home, and much, much more. But before we start, Japan Eats is available on Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify and subscribe to Japan Eats. And please write to a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, if you have any ideas about topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. You can email us at japaneats at the Heritage Radio Network.org or kikukatayama.com. And in fact, today's topic was requested by one of our listeners. So let's start a conversation with Elizabeth and Doug. Hello, Elizabeth. Welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be here, or rather here in Tokyo and still able to talk to you there in uh, Brooklyn. <laughs> and thank you so much for staying up so late. It's 11 at night in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah not all that late for me, but I'm <laughs> delighted that technology enables this to happen. Thanks so much. Thank you. So, uh, so how have you been? Um, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's been a strange few months, that's for sure. Um, but uh, delighted that uh, Heritage Network has continued, and uh, that Japan Eats continues to uh, record, and there's lots of things to listen to. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a it's a weird uh, feeling, but I think uh, media is playing a big role, good or bad, so we try to be a good part. Hope so. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so let's talk about donburi. What is donburi? <laughs> well, donburi, the word really refers to two things. It's the food, something, usually cooked food on top of already cooked rice, and it's also the word for the bowl in which that food is served. Um, and um, depending upon how you decide to use the Roman alphabet uh, to write the word in Japanese, sometimes it's D-O-N-B-U-R-I, and sometimes it's D-O-M-B-U-R-I. It's the same word. Mm, right. That's always a tricky part, but yes. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so basically, it's a combination of rice and a topping. Like whatever yes. it can be, right. right? And I really want to uh, stress that it's important to understand that Japanese are obsessed with the quality of the rice itself, even yes. without any <laughs> toppings, right? So, for example, a perfect bowl of rice comes at the end of a very fancy kaisek dinner, right. and and the Japanese rice is a short grain japonica, which is very luscious and sticky, whereas the long grain indica rice. That you find in Southeast Asia in is drier and absorbs the sauce that's served mm. with it. So, so the japonica rice is in donburi is not right. just a supporting actor; it's an equal partner of the no, toppings. No, very, very much so. The rice is important. Um, the topping is is nice and it changes and there's variety from it, but um, the rice is very important. Right. It's almost like a, for pasta. You know, that's the equivalent of pasta right. Italian people and rice for I, Japanese. I, I think so, indeed. Um, and the idea of, of putting something on top of rice, well, normally the Japanese like their rice plain. 
pure white, and you don't put things easily on top of it. Uh, you don't want to soil the rice. But the notion of putting something already cooked on top of rice, it, clearly it was something convenient to do. People had food, maybe only one um, uh, serving bowl in which to, to eat it from. Um, that idea is not particularly um, new, but the form of dumburi and calling it a dumburi is... Uh, only a couple of hundred years old. <laughs> mm, okay. Well, let's talk about the, the Donburi. But before we get there, why yeah. do you think Donburi is so popular in Japan? Um, certainly today, because it's so easy to assemble. Um, and uh, it's frugal, meaning you can use leftovers or bits and pieces of other things and put it on top. And I think also because it doesn't require any special skill. Um, there are many comfort foods uh, in the Japanese kitchen, but usually you need an obachan to make it for you. Um, yeah. the, the, the current obachan is grandmother. Grandmother, right. <laughs> right. The current younger generation is, is not um, necessarily skilled in the kitchen, uh, but being able to um, put something that is already cooked on top of rice that comes out of your rice cooker is not a particularly difficult thing to do. Um, and I think that um, there are many households in, in Japan today that um, uh, eat donburi regularly just because of that. Right. So, listeners, it's easy. It's for, it's for everybody, right. <laughs> regardless of all, yeah, skill levels. Right. Um, all right. So what is the history of donburi? Well, as with so many things, there are so many different stories <laughs> behind it. Um, the The name of Dombri is often thought to be a contraction of two words. Uh, the name of the uh, of a restaurant that first served it that way called uh, Kendonia, and the container in which they served it was a Budibachi, and so Don and Budi got together and became Dombri. Um, that's one version of it. Uh, another is that it sounds like something, uh, it looks like the character with the, the calligraphy with which it's written. Um, I think what's really important is that by the Edo period, by the 17th century, certainly, um, it was a pretty established way of uh, putting a meal together. And it became um, popular Probably ten don, uh, putting cooked tempura on top of rice was um, uh, the first uh, to be officially appearing on any kind of a menu. Um, there's a menu from 1875 in a place called uh, Nakano, a Tokyo shop, uh, in which they're serving ten don. And that's probably the first document that um, uses that ex those words and describes that food as such, but it was probably around about 100, 200 years before that. Mm, right. Um, so I looked up and then I found um, um, there was a, <laughs> uh -huh. I found an organization called the Zenkoku Donrenme or All Japan yes. Donburi Union, and which yes. is not a trade organization, but an association <laughs> created by fans of Donburi in Japan. Right. The website is super enthusiastic and pretty funny. Yes. Um, but so 
Well, it's the, uh, them and the other sources said the original, right. the original was around right. uh, the 15th century. Yes. And then the first dish was, it's, it's like a basic mixture of rice and vegetables and dashi on rice. Right. So, yeah, that's probably the original form. And uh, so one thing I found is that during the Edo period, which was from the 17th to the 19th century, donburi right. became widely popular. Right. And Edo is the old name of Tokyo, and Edo citizens were similar to, I would say, New Yorkers. And like we have a New York Minute, they had an Edo Minute. So they <laughs> wanted to eat good food fast, and that's right. how sushi was born also. Yeah. And uh, so with the same mindset, they popularized the quick and easy donburi dishes. So two, two dishes in one, rice and toppings. So that's what I learned. And, and also um, not terribly yep. expensive. I mean, it, it's not this, um, because it doesn't require terribly skilled labor, and it doesn't have to use, um, you know, top ingredients. Um, it didn't have to be expensive. And I think that that was probably another factor in the popularization of, of Domburi. Right, right. Yeah. So it can be any price. You can put uh, some, uh, you know, ikura which is a summer row that's not cheap, or you can, right. if you want, you can go for a modern <laughs> well, version like caviar or something. Right. Well, certainly today, they, they, it comes in all price ranges. But I think the original idea that it was quick, easy, and didn't have to be costly uh, was probably uh, part of the assumption about people uh, when they were thinking to eat donburi. They, they weren't thinking about spending a lot of money on that. Right. Okay, so for listeners who can who have no idea what it looks like, right. so let's talk about some classic donburi dishes. And uh, okay. I have a list of some of the most popular donburi dishes, so we can go through it if you don't mind. Okay, sure. Yeah. So first of all, I think gyudon okay. is very important. What is gyudon? Uh, gyu is is uh, beef, and it is uh, a beef dish uh, on top of rice and Probably, in order to talk about gyudon, you need to talk about gyu nabe, uh, which is better known as skiaki. Um, and um, the first shop to really offer that uh, was in Yokohama. Yokohama was a community, certainly uh, with the largest uh, foreign population uh, and uh, beef eaters. And uh, right, that's where the first port that was opened to outside Japan. So right, there's many right. foreigners arrived in Yokohama. Right. Right. Um, again, the first uh, sort of document that has uh, anything resembling a, a menu um, offering uh, gyudon was uh, in Yokohama in 1862, but it probably was around before that time. But um, it, it certainly, uh, the idea, the notion of eating beef uh, was un, unheard of in Japan um, before uh, really the Edo period. Uh, people would never have thought of eating uh, beef. Right. And they found it so delicious. So <laughs> they, they did right. right. And then the, also the beef became a symbolic food to represent modernization of Japan because everything, samurai system was gone and everywhere you saw in and cool, people started to eat Western food, including beef. So, yes. Right. Yeah, so. And uh, 
chain operations are the equivalent of what today we would call a, a chain operation, uh, where a single um, entity uh, created more than one shop. Um, that also uh, was probably a reason for the growth in popularity of many of the Dombudi. In other words, there were uh, many uh, establishments that realized that they needed to open more than one location um, and offer similar, if not the same, food uh, in many places. And Yoshinoya uh, was the first to offer beef. Um, and that, again, the year that was given was 1899 on the Yoshinoya website um, as their very first uh, gyudon on the menu. Um, mm. And when you start to think about it, that's really a long time ago. <laughs> right, yeah. And, yeah, so the Yoshinoya is, uh, you know, you said it's still... one of those chain restaurants. They have Yoshinoya USA, and they, they have, right. I think, over 2,000 restaurants globally, I think, uh, 800 or something outside of Japan. So it really shows how <laughs> Gyudon has a global appeal. Indeed. So, right. right. All right. So what is Tendon? Um, the Ten comes from Tempura and the Don from Donburi. And so you're putting Tempura on top of rice. And um, today the two best known are a place called Hageten, and Tenichi. And Hagiten is sort of interesting. It opened in Kudan, uh, sort of a downtown area of Tokyo, in 1928. Um, and uh, the first owner, Mr. Wa Watanabe, was bald. And being bald in Japanese is Hage Atama. And um, his uh, customers used to call him Hage. And um, Mr. Hage's Ten Buddha was very good, so the name Hage Ten, and he decided to call his shop by that name. <laughs> uh. um, and it's still called Hage Ten, although I don't believe Mr. Watanabe is still with us. Um, and the other is Tenichi, and Tenichi from the very start, um, again, their website uh, says they opened in 1930. Um, had a very exclusive image. They aimed to be in the uh, shishi hotels, um, in a department store um, uh, restaurants. Uh, many department stores not only have food halls, but they also have a floor devoted to restaurants. And um, it has a very sort of um, high-class, exclusive uh, image in Japan, it sounds a little strange perhaps to people who have not been here or lived here, um, but from the very start, um, Tenichi aimed at that very exclusive image rather than uh, humble, um, you know, home fair. Uh, mm. So, right. yeah. So, right. So, interesting. So, the Gyudon and Nintendo we've talked about so right. far, the little chain restaurants really kind yeah. of dominate the market, although um, many independent restaurants serve it. So, listeners, if you right. go to Japan, you can look for um, that kind of chain restaurants or just go to one of those nice, comfortable restaurants. Then you can eat those right. things. I would say pretty much any casual eatery in Japan is going to offer some kind of donburi. Right. Um, That's true. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. usually on the menu. 
Right. And uh, so yeah, I just want to add one thing about tendon.、Right. So, commonly, the sauce, which is typically、uh, made with dashi, soy sauce, mirin, and sugar, and commonly the sauce is poured over tempura,、uh, right. which is you know, the rice and topped with tempura, and then sauce is commonly poured over. But in the traditional Edo style,、uh, tempura is quickly dipped in the hot sauce to make it juicier. So, that's like a little. Regional、right. variation. It's little tiny things, but Edo people try to say we are different. So that's one of those <laughs> things. <laughs> Doesn't、um, surprise me. They still, they still claim their difference today. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, like New Yorkers, I guess. Right.、Um, right. So the next one, that's Oyakodon. What is Oyakodon?、Right. Well, Oyakodon is another version of which came first, the chicken or the egg,、um, because it's an Chicken omelet. <laughs> And、um, it's、uh, interesting because、um, that's the, the one dombri perhaps that requires something. Special, it's possible to make it in an ordinary skillet, and you don't have to be terribly skilled at it. But there is a separate、uh, nabe, a separate pan that's used for making、uh, oyako、uh, don, and it looks almost like、um, a ladle with a hand coming straight up and down. And it's a very shallow、um, skillet. And the、uh, chicken and onions are cooked in seasoned dashi, and then egg is poured over it. The Japanese typically like their egg very loose,、um, barely cooked, <laughs> and、uh, sort of swished around and then put on top of the rice. As I said, it's possible to make it with、um, an ordinary small、um, skillet in which you would make a, a sunny side up. Egg, for example.、Um, but the Japanese do have a very special、um, pan that they also use to make that.、Um, and there's、uh, one shop, particularly in Tokyo, that、um, prides itself on oyakodon called Tamahide. They're still in existence. The original,、uh, they claim that they were the first to. Offer oyakodon、uh, on their menu, and the year was 1891.、Um, I don't know. In Japan, claiming ganso being the original of something is really a big deal, and、um, many restaurants will、um, vie over、uh, the ability to claim that they were the first. I wonder do American restaurants get so excited or heated up about who got there first? I don't think so because I think the origin of history is not the focus in American culture in terms、right. of like, food and more creativity. So, probably, yeah. But yeah. in Japan, the origin and being able to claim that you were the first one to do it is a really big deal.、Um, right. And、uh, Tamahide, which is still in existence in Ningyocho,、um, claims that they were ganso for oyakodon.、Um, Probably. I mean, certainly in terms of offering it on a menu, but I'm quite sure that many households that had eggs and chicken <laughs> probably、mm. did it before it was officially called oyakodon. But、mm. the name is sort of cute because、um, the chicken and the egg, and oya is the parent and ko is the child. So it's the parent and child, and whether you want to decide that the 
chicken is the parent and the egg is the child or the other way around is sort of right. up to you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, the one thing, it's ta- there's another thing, the tanin don yeah. is another donburi. The tanin is the right. strangers. So right. if it's not instead of a chicken and an egg, it's a beef or a pork and an egg. So the right. strangers combination. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, the Japanese thing. have a lot of fun with wordplay. Um, and uh, with the naming of, of certain dishes. Um, you know, people tend to think of uh, the Japanese as very serious. Uh, the food culture is very serious, and um, but there's really a lot of playfulness to it and a lot of fun, and um, certainly in the names and the stories behind them. Um, there's always a smile on my face when I'm talking about it. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so the next one, I think uh, this is going to be very popular in the States. Katsudon. Right. What is katsudon? Well, so the katsu refers to tonkatsu, and the ton is pork, and the katsu was originally probably the word cutlet, katsudetsu, and that became, so breaded fried pork, um, typically it's sliced because it's eaten with chopsticks and so you don't have knife and fork in order to cut it up, um, and served with a tonkatsu sauce, a sort of um, slightly sweet, slightly spicy, um, aromatic um, Worcestershire-like sauce. Um, and uh, katsudon is where you take that and put it on top of um, rice, and then you pour the sauce on, on top. Um, it's interesting. Um, there was also an interesting website uh, run by uh, a Waseda University graduate who uh, was talking a bit nostalgically about um, uh, katsudon and, and the fact that um, the store, the the shop that claims Ganso to be the original of serving katsudon is a, a soba shop actually near Waseda University in Tokyo. Um, the year given for um, uh, opening was 1913. And when I followed a link on their site, I realized that they closed in July um, of 2018. So it has nothing to do with the coronavirus per se. But uh, a little over 100 years they were in business, but they are no longer. Um, uh, Sancho An was the name of, of the place. But um, katsu, because of a pun on the word, meaning it sounds the same, but it's written differently, um, is a pun on the word for winning. And so when people would win something, they would often celebrate with katsudon. And um, after uh, difficult um, examinations at the university, uh, people would go and, and celebrate and have their katsudon katana, meaning they had they had won their prize. Um, or before, so I, even. Yeah. Before they do, to just try to pray and eat and then make a good luck. So right. Well, I think, way, no, right? I, I think they, they wanted the nourishment in order to... Uh, give them strength to take the exam, right. but certainly afterwards as well, they went to, to celebrate. Um, but uh, whether Katsudon really um, began with this small soba shop near Waseda University, mm, there are other places that, that claim that they got there first, uh, but certainly um, they were the 
they were the best known um, uh, shop to right. offer katsudon. Now it's popular right. and it's all over, <laughs> and mm. many many shops. Um, right. So, well, the the katsu. You know, you said origin is cutlet,、yeah. and then Japanese cutlet, by the by the way, is very different because、uh, it's the、yeah. same sliced meat, breaded and served、uh, either grilled or fried. But the Japanese cutlet uses larger piece of bread that's based on Japanese style bread, which is white and fluffy. So it's、right. like a bigger、um, pieces and makes it crunchier, in my opinion. And that's like when you bite into it, that's the beauty of Japanese tonkatsu. Right,、so. the panko,、yeah. the panko in Japan, the the breadcrumbs that are used are really, they look almost like shards of broken glass, <laughs> rather <laughs> than、um, they, they've got these points to them, and、um, it really does make all the difference、um, between、uh, crunch but also a satisfying、um, a coating. So that the juiciness of the meat does not get lost when it's being fried. In other words, it, it's an excellent coating. It, it protects the inside, but it's also wonderfully crunchy.、Um, so you get these layers of texture and and flavor at the same time. Also, I, I think、um, katsudon. It depends upon the the store, perhaps the 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 restaurant,、um, but the cut of pork. Is sometimes different, and that can change the experience as well.、Um, mm. Most places will have a, a loin that has a little rim of fat on one end of it.、Um, others will have the equivalent of the、um, uh, uh, The long,、uh, I mean, the roast that has the piece of fat on the side, and then the loin, which is the longer,、um, absolutely without any fat, very lean、um, piece,、uh, right. and and that will change the experience of the katsudon as well. And、mm. I want to mention you mentioned,、um, you know, the tonkatsu sauce, which I think、right. is really、um, symbolic, one of the symbolic tastes of Japan. It's、right. kind of Western style, but it's based on Worcestershire sauce. But then it's thickened with, and the, based on vinegar, fruits, vegetables, and spices. I think. And、right. if you go to Japanese retail shop, like the Japanese、right. tonkatsu sauce, it's a must item, as, as important as soy sauce, and then you can pour it over anything you want. So,、right. yeah, just. Tonkatsu sauce is—it's really interesting, and of course, it's used for、uh, katsudon. Right, and there、so. are certain、um, restaurants that really prize themselves on their on their sauce.、Um, most have a rather fruity taste to it, and indeed, fruit is one of the ingredients that's been cooked into it.、Um, in and around Nagoya, however, <laughs> there's a miso sauce, and it's hacho miso. And、um, there are those people who love it, and those who don't. <laughs> it's it's really a, a very different kind of taste from the ordinary、um, tonkatsu sauce.、Um, mm. Have you ever been to Nagoya and had、uh, the the hacho miso sauce on tonkatsu? No, I have not. It's like about the because hacho miso is based on only soybeans without any、right. rice or anything else. So that means that it's very.、Yeah. Dense, I think it 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 is dense. It reminds me a little bit of hoisin sauce,、uh, Chinese、mm. hoisin sauce.、Um, it's more like that, I think, than ordinary what people think of when they think of a miso sauce.、Um, but in Nagoya,、um, 
sauce uh, tonkatsu means hacho miso, and it's really um, I don't know. Everybody should go and try it once. Right. Well, <laughs> Nagoya has a very special food culture. Like they have their they you know morning breakfast of everything. So yeah, maybe I should do an episode on Nagoya food culture at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Right. So, so there are many other variations of donburi, such as, of course, kaisen don, uh, which right. is rice topped with variety of fresh seafood, or tekkadon, which is rice topped with tuna sashimi. And right. then you can find them in sushi restaurants. And, uh, and it's very interesting that many of the classic donburi dishes reflect the history of Japan. Like, Tendon would not have been born without the Portuguese who came to Japan in the 16th century and inspired the Japanese to invent tempura. And the gyudon was born after Japan opened the country to the world, like we discussed. So tempura, I mean, the the donburi is just a simple, casual dish, but it's it's packed with the history. So I really think it's important to know. Anyways, so... So one of the biggest charms of donburi is that uh, there's a great variety and there are many right. regional versions of donburi right. and that reflects the bounty of the area. So maybe you can give us some examples of regional donburi dishes. Okay. Um, just backing up a little bit, I think that, you know, when people sometimes um, ask you to describe what's really significant about Japanese food culture. And I usually use two words, seasonal and regional. Um, And I think they're sort of both equally important. The Japanese um, make a big deal of seasonal uh, foods and eating foods of the season. But also, I think for such a small country, um, the regional differences are significant and people really point them out to you. Um, part of it may be a marketing ploy currently, um, you know, trying to sell local products. Um, but certainly, uh, as you travel around Japan, uh, the same dish will be interpreted differently through the, that local filter of what's available. And so, Typically, many of these uh, gotochidon, the the dombri of that region, tend to feature um, foods that are of that region. And probably um, the most recognizable, here we go in Nagoya again, um, they have a particular kind of chicken that's particularly delicious, uh, uh, kochin. And so their oyakodon is... Uh, famous. And particularly, there are, are uh, shops that offer the special Nagoya chicken um, in the Oyakodon, and it really is different. Um, I've never really lived in, in Nagoya. I've lived in, in the Kansai for a while, and, and Tokyo is, is my major um, uh, home and has been for, for decades. Um, but to get from Tokyo to Osaka, you travel through Nagoya <laughs> and very <laughs> often would be um, stopping along the way and uh, sampling the food. And I do remember um, that dishes that I would order in either Tokyo or Osaka always tasted different. They were neither Tokyo nor Osaka version. They were their own. And uh, the Nagoya chicken is really 
special. Um, so Oyakudon is really a very special experience in Nagoya. Um, similarly, Kobe is known for its beef, and so it's not surprising that their yakiniku dombri is, is uh, famous. Um, Hokkaido, for their bukkake, meaning it's just heaped on top, uh, don has caviar, ikura. Um, it's not cheap, but um, it is delicious. Um, but one of the silliest when I was doing a little search um, on the internet um, for it was uh, from Shiga Prefecture, and they have a very special um, uh, pork uh, dombri, and it's called baumkuchen. And <laughs> the reason it's called baumkuchen is a cake originally, I think, from Germany, but the Japanese became fascinated with it early on. It's made in layers. Um, it's, a round, it's a round cake. And apparently the pigs love the cake and that's their diet. Um, and, <laughs> and, and the pork tastes different. So um, I guess I need to go to Shiga and really try it out. I, I can't say that I've sampled it before, but... Um, there, there are many different versions of gotochi, what the area of Japan has to offer, and apparently um, Shiga has some very special pork. Um, <laughs> right, it's but, like a, not the hamon iberico, but the hamon um, no. bamukuhen. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm right. sure it tastes good. Um, right. Yeah, and then the in Tokyo, just to add some more, yeah. and fukagawa don is a rice topped with shellfish caught in Tokyo Bay right. and flavored right. with miso. And uh, I found a kaki don, the oyster donburi in Matsushima right. in Miyagi. And it's an uh -huh. unlimited number of good right. regional dishes. Right. So, okay, so uh, listeners, just try to travel outside Tokyo or Kyoto right. and then find a regional donburi. You're going to be very happy. Yes. Right. All right. So let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll discuss how to make donburi at home. So please stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Ball Factory, a Japanese eatery and coffee shop at 95 Montrose Avenue in East Williamsburg. Brooklyn Ball Factory uses the best ingredients to make Japanese comfort food, like their bento boxes featuring meatballs, grilled veggies, Japanese fried chicken, or pork shabu-shabu. Plus, visit Brooklyn Ball Factory's sister restaurants, Momo Sushi Shack, Samurai Papa, Samurai Mama, Bozu, and Kitade Shokudo. Learn more at brooklynballfactory.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese broadcasting live from studio. Uh, it's not. I'm <laughs> sorry, my mouth remembers. I don't. So broadcasting live from my apartment in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And my guest today is Elizabeth Ando, a food writer and cookbook author and Japanese cooking instructor based in Tokyo. So uh, I heard that the Donbury drew some attention in of the American media uh, a while ago. So maybe you can tell us about the history of Donbury in the States. Okay. Um, again, from a website uh, from Matsunoya, uh, they claim that they were the uh, 
first to really open a chain operation in America. And the year that they gave is 1966. That's just about the time that I came to Japan. So I can't say that I was um, aware of their existence in America at the time. But interestingly, um, when I did the search on on the web, um, my name came up, <laughs> and I was rather mm. surprised. I had written an article <laughs> for Food and Wine magazine in 1981 when I was talking about um, uh, Soborodon, uh, and um, apparently it was the first appearance in a magazine in America that talked about Dombri. Um so it, it, it was a, a weird sensation to discover that I was part of the history of the subject. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. And then, um, so the reflecting that versatility of Donbury, I mean, that was really uh, like 50-something years ago. Right. Um, so there are Donbury dishes invented outside of Japan. So, and I heard one of them is a Buddha bowl. So yes. what is Buddha bowl? Well... Martha Stewart is the one who claims Ganso on that one. Um, <laughs> she had a book called Meatless, uh, published in 2013. And in it, she used that term, Buddha bowl. Um, whether she really had been influenced by um, anything related to Buddhist um, thinking is, I don't know, I, I've not spoken to her about it, and I, I can't say for sure. Um, but it is true that um, Buddhist monks would walk around with a bowl um, in the community and have um, people would put food in it, and um, that was often what they ate. And uh, the idea that uh, it was a selection of tidbits that would land up into the bowl, um, I don't know, it was called the Buddha bowl. And it, that term certainly um, took hold. And particularly among vegan and vegetarian, um, the notion that you didn't have to have uh, meat on top of it, that there were various different kinds of grains, not always rice. Um, and as a matter of fact, many of the sort of the big bowls that are popular um, now in America are not necessarily rice at the bottom. There are other kinds of uh, mixed grains um, that are being topped with other foods instead. Mm. Yeah. Right. So basically, it's healthy and sounds very uh, cleansing. So the name is Buddha. And right. uh, I think it's got Japanese people found it. I, I saw a couple articles, like right. El Japon or something. Like I don't know how popular it is in Japan now, but do you see it in Japan too? Um, not called the Buddha Bowl. Um, at least I haven't seen that expression anywhere. Um, it's interesting. I regularly, I set aside um, uh, one morning every week to sort of uh, scan certain Japanese language blogs um, just to sort of keep aware of, of, of what's happening. Um, and um, I can't recall that I've seen that phrase, Buddha Bowl, um, on any of them, not in Japanese, written by Japanese. Um, right. It's kind of like we, I think the Japanese people wouldn't do that. Buddha is out to kind right. of, uh, we, we owe Buddha, so I probably don't. But yeah, I like the idea. It's like healthy and, you know, don't 
Don't believe this is tend to be homey, comfortable, and not necessarily always the healthiest. So it's a new version. I think it's、uh, pushing the envelope、right. of Don't Breathe. <laughs> <Possibly> . <laughs> right. So, how do you make Don't Breathe at home? I mean, you can give us an easy recipe? Sure. As a matter of fact, just before I. Got on this call with you. I refreshed my website. <laughs> and if you go to、uh, tasteofculture.com and look at the Kitchen Culture blog,、um, it's all about dombri and it has uh, uh, recipes for making soborodon. It's sort of an updated version from the original that I did for food and wine in、um, uh, 1981.、Uh, and uh, In the recipe that I provide, I encourage people, and I have a, a sort of a collage of, of images, encourage people to sort of design their own. I think one of the, the, the fun parts about Dombri is that you can also design the look of it.、Um, and it doesn't have to be just a bunch of things thrown on top of rice. You can create your own sort of、um, image. Sometimes it can be geometric,、um, sometimes it can be sort of clustered. Um, there are even、um, not quite as、um, elaborate as some of the bento boxes that have、um, you know, pictures drawn on top of them. But you can be very creative with how you want to present the food.、Um, right. So, so the, what's the basic components of what are the,、uh, like well, soboro, you, the meaning of soboro, and、uh, what, what are they on the dome?、Uh, well, soboro is ground meat, and in Japan, the default mode is usually chicken. Um, but in America, it's more likely to be beef, and that was certainly what I had used in 1981 for food and wine was beef.、Um, and, but any kind of ground meat is, is possible, including the sort of meat substitutes,、um, the soy、uh, products that, that have that same crumbly appearance to it. And usually there's at least three colors. and Often five colors. So you want something that's yellow, something that's green, something that's red, black, and white. And the white is already the rice at the bottom, and the black could possibly be nori or the dark color of the, of the meat that you're going to be cooking.、Um, yellow is often egg, and one of the recipes I've got up on my website is for the equivalent of a sort of umami scrambled eggs.、Um, it's making scrambled eggs, but making it with,、um, with dashi. And、um, green could be any green veggie. It could be string beans, it could be broccoli, it could be peas,、um, even cucumbers, anything that, that, that's green. And red could often be little tomatoes, they could be、uh, red pepper, it could be red pickled ginger.、Um, so it could be very colorful.、Um, and you're putting your toppings different flavors, different colors,、um, and different methods by which、um, the foods are, are made. So you get Really, a total balanced meal、um, all in a bowl.、Mm, right. So, the whole point, even like,、uh, does it summarize how flexible d o n b u r i can be? And you can put it,、uh, make it as vegetarian or vegan or anything,、right. and then colorful, fun bowl, or just you're just lazy, you can just put any leftover, and then you'll be happy and、right. satisfied. Well, one of the other great things about soburo is that it can be made ahead and frozen. <laughs> and so it's often my, my sort of default when I'm busy.、Um, I, especially when I go to my supermarket, if, if the ground chicken is on sale, I will buy a lot. I'll make a lot of soburo, I'll freeze it into individual. 
packages, and then when I'm pressed for time, all I have to do is uh, quickly reheat it, um, and it's the basis of of a meal. So it's okay. It, so it's what's simple. the web? Right. Uh, what's the website uh, again? Uh, tasteofculture.com. www.tasteofculture.com, and um, you'll easily see the tab for kitchen culture. It's in the center of the home page. And um, the one that's up there now is on Dombri. And there are many others that are archived. I have great dozens. Yeah, and because dozens. Uh, in the past episodes, you introduced some uh, good recipes and then right. some listeners just, I, I yeah, it's probably too, it's rotated. So I can't find the, the recipe. Can you send it to me? So I got requests. So your, your recipes are very popular. Good. I'm glad. I, I don't apologize. I finally updated my website. And so the old links don't work. Um, so starting with January of this year, um, I backloaded from June of last year onto the Kitchen Culture blog, um, various different subjects and recipes. Um, but ones that were earlier than that, um, probably are going to be dead links. I apologize for that. They were okay. And maybe uh, they can, uh, people can send you an email via website yes. to request for yeah, it. Right. right. Okay, right. great. And uh, so uh, this is my last question. The time is pressing. Right. So the facing the challenges uh, caused by the pandemic, right. uh, you started an online group called Tatsudoi. So right. could you tell us about that? Well, the word Tsudoi means a gathering, and it is the absolute opposite of social distancing. <laughs> and in the mandate to social distance, um, and, and I am not teaching in person. Uh, if you go to my website, you'll see the explanation I have up there as well. Um, it, I wanted to connect with people, and I wanted people to connect with each other. And uh, the idea was for me to give sort of uh, projects for people to work on together. Then they would post theirs. Um, I welcome more people to the Tsudoi project. Right now, we have about 450 people um, uh -huh. who, are, who are on there. Um, again, the link to that is on my website. So when you go to the homepage at tasteofculture.com, you'll see the link for Tsudoi project. And you can read about some of the ones that we've been doing. Uh, we're into Unit 11, um, which I just posted uh, earlier this morning. And uh, this particular unit is on tofu, fried tofu. And I give recipes um, and more than that, encouragement and try to get people to interact with each other. It is wonderfully global. I mean, I have literally, I think, 47 countries uh, represented in those 400 wow. and members. And uh, it's terrific. And very often people will say, well, you know, I'm having trouble with this. I'm having trouble with that. And if they're in the same region, they might be able to offer other um, uh, suggestions for either ingredients or uh, techniques. But um, the whole idea is you don't have to be Japanese and you don't have to be in Japan to be able to benefit from Japan's kitchen wisdom and um, wanting to, to create a forum uh, for that. And uh, although I'm eager to get back to teaching live and real, and I'm eager for this pandemic to be over, as I'm sure everybody else is, um, I have a feeling that I will continue with Tudoi just because it's such a wonderful forum um, for people to meet and exchange um, information. 
Mm. So is it free? Free to join? Uh, free. Absolutely free. <laughs> wow. Um, there are rules, and um, I haven't kicked anybody out. I've sent a note to one or two people, and one of them decided to withdraw. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, it's the usual sort of, you know, nothing nasty to say, please, and no commercial messages. Um, but the rules are all there to read as well, and you do have to apply. But as I said, um, any reasonable and enthusiastic person is more than welcome. Skill level has nothing to do with it. There's people at every possible level um, of skill, uh, especially in terms of Japanese cookery. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a, it's an exciting new adventure for me as well. I, well, I think it's a great, this is a great example that positively this sad pandemic changed the world because we are yes. close and you and I are calling in from Japan. Right. And which we never tried before, and we found never. it was. So. <laughs> never. I mean, it was always a wonderful, another excuse to go visit New York um, was to be able to be on your show. Um, and I would love to be able to go back uh, to visit. I, I yearn for the ability to travel again. Um, right. but Hopefully for, next one is going to be in the studio again, but yeah. We'd love to think so. We'd love to think so. But for now, it's uh, wash your hands, wear your mask. And um, think of some creative way of connecting to people. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that uh, the group is Tsudoi, T-S-U-D-O-I. And right. that's on your website. Again, yes. what's the, your website? Uh, Tasteofculture.com. All right. Great. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, so late tonight <laughs> in your time. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Right. Thank you. So listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for guests or topics of the show, please contact us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or kikukatema.com. And uh, Japanese is always available at heritageradionetwork.org, at iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Man Wang, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Japan Needs is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.